Hello, and welcome to the show where we ask Rita Harrison, the foremost authority on the Willow System, questions from listeners about health, healing, and happiness. My name is Kim Lewis, so let's get started. Is it so bad to love another woman as much as you love your wife? I'm not doing anything physical with the other woman, so am I a bad person for having the same level of feelings for her as I have for my wife? Oh, that's a very tricky question. (laughs) That's a heavy question. Very loaded. And I can imagine that on this side of the microphone and on the other side of the microphone that brings up a lot of stuff. So first of all, I would like to share one thing. I can't imagine that you would know if this is the same love for your wife than for the other woman. Let's start with that. I'm not here to judge because I'm a practitioner. So my task is to see where people come from, where they go to, and to use all their resources. So if I'm less judgmental here than we all might expect from me, that doesn't mean that this is my personal life and opinion. I just feel like it's more professional to be more uh, neutral. So the first thing is that When we are together with a person, with our partner, we get to know them on many levels. And usually it's more levels than somebody that we are having fantasies about. So this is now a hypothesis of mine. I assume that you love another woman and there might be, it might feel the same like with a wife. I personally believe No relationship is ever like another one. And I come from the family dynamics background where we research that a lot. So if you had other partners before, people can only move on after divorces or separations when we give those former people who we had a bonding with a good place. So that means that actually everybody in our life, including our siblings, including our parents, has a place in our heart usually that only this person can have and there's no replacement for somebody else. So I have the assumption that you have similar feelings and that it makes a difference if you have a lot of space inside you to fantasize about another woman because the fantasies might have more to do with you than who this woman really is versus with a wife I can ex- so that's another hypothesis where you really are confronted in the everyday life reality with all the ups and downs there's not so much place for fantasies and we project usually our own wishes and our own needs into somebody else, no matter how good we like them, how much we love them, or uh, how much we spend time together. We'd always do that, but the less we are spending time with them, the more place there is for fantasies. That's one thing. I think the other thing is that in our society right now, we live in a society where our collective bringing up is that we don't do talk about those things or having an affair 
or thinking about affairs is something that's judged. It hasn't been there all the time. You know, we were we had societies in the past where women had more than one man. Then still, even in our society in some countries, men have more than one woman, you know. So I think our upbringing and how we judge it and how we deal with it comes here in too. That's another thing. The other thing is that there might be something missing in your partnership. And I also don't mean that in a judgmental way. It might be that something between you and your wife is not lived out. And whenever we can't live it out between two persons, and this is something that is observed in the systemic dynamics too, is that we build triangulations. So let's say you can't act something out with your wife directly, like a conflict, you might go and ha and ask a counselor. Or sometimes the relationship changes, or mostly always, but not everybody notices it, when a child is born mm -hmm. into the family. Or another thing is established, like work, or that you have a hobby in common. So the systemic dynamic shows us that two, like in your case, husband and wife, always when it's growing, when it's a growing relationship and not stagnant, that you always grow towards something third. And this can be anything. So when you miss to create that in the partnership, you might bring that in through an affair or through fantasies of an affair. So when you feel like this is something that you can't provide or your wife can't provide, we might project that into somebody else. Mm -hmm. So I rather say there's nothing to judge. There's a lot to understand and explore and to integrate that into your partnership, into yourself, in order to see how can I live out loud uh, without hurting, without, as, as long, you know, we never have it in control how much we hurt, but we have it in, a con in some sort of control somehow or without, you know, making mistakes that we regret later. So in your case, I would suggest to look at the deeper dynamics and to see how you can give your wife a place that's just hers, no matter who else has got a place in your heart, no matter what. I don't think most women would be okay with a man saying that he cares for another woman at the same level that he does his wife. Of course. I think that they would find that very upsetting and and probably feel threatened mm -hmm. as to why are you putting attention towards her? What does she have that I don't have? And then they start comparing. If they see her, she could be younger or prettier or in her mind kinder or sweeter or just giving something that, that she probably hasn't felt like she's been giving to him or you don't know what it is, but you start comparing yourself with that other person, even if he's not having a physical affair with her. Just the thought that he is thinking about her, even on a sim similar level as a wife, is kind of disturbing. Absolutely, I agree. From a woman's point of view, of course, every woman is different, you know, and some women might be even relieved the the that kind of women that are actually you know that have difficulties to really allow an intimate relationship so triangulation happen 
a lot. Triangulations happen a lot for whatever reasons. So what that might trigger in a woman if she knows about it. So I don't know from what he has asked us if he shares this with his wife or not. If I was him, I would be very careful because yes. that can destroy a lot and can bring up a lot of insecurity. So the collective insecurity of women is that they usually are very afraid of feeling rejected and not being lovable enough. So I was talking in the other question and answer, I was more talking about the trigger that men have. Mm -hmm. You know, their fear of that the women can find out that they're not good enough. So now I'm talking about this from the women's point of view. And a lot of men are not aware, and even a lot of women are not aware, that they actually have a difficulty to allow somebody intimately into their life because they are afraid that he could turn around and leave them alone and reject them. And because they have this collective, you know, for thousands of years built up in the collective feminine consciousness oh i'm not good enough anyway not, not not good enough is more male but not i'm not lovable enough i'm not worthy enough and he might find that out so that triggers exactly that in a woman so what he needs to be very careful here because first of all he might try to avoid to take or both of them might try to avoid to take the relationship to the next level. Mm -hmm. This can be from both sides. I'd rather project my needs and fantasies into something else than going deeper in the connection. And also, the, the, he needs to be careful with her because what women do when they feel threatened, they shut down and then he, she refuses to give herself to him at all but she will pretend that everything is fine because this is what we do to cover up you know we have that defense mechanism oh no it's all okay versus men have the f the fight or flight and we go in pretending you know and giving even more and he won't not notice that he's losing her because men feel safe until they get the knife held to their neck. But most women don't do that on time. They wait until it's too late. So they have to be both actually working on this together. Mm -hmm. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't confront her with it directly, but I would see actually what's really going on. Sometimes a man feels threatened in his primary relationship with his wife and he may not be able to express himself for fear of criticism or rejection himself and so he looks to someone else to where he feels safe he can be kind he he can be a little bit more gentle and so that's where he's more putting his energies into because it's harder to do it in the primary relationship so he as you say, has this fantasy with the other person. Mm -hmm. You know, I like that you bring that in because there's really a lot to talk about this subject at all. And we don't even know half of what's really going on because it can be that also the woman has something inside her like this. And both of them share this and they have never talked about it. I agree. I think the men might feel threatened. And also what we need to consider is that a collective male fear or insecurity is that a lot of women don't know about. This was very well researched, is that they, when they give, 
they want to feel acknowledged. So let's say if the woman misses that point, you know, we want that attention and that he cherishes us. So we very often give the other one what we need most, and this is not what they need most. So then the men, when they feel like not so close anymore, or they want to recharge their batteries by going into the cave, then they don't, or they, when they are upset, then they don't give they don't give the woman what she needs most instinctively. They withdraw their attention. The same with women. Mm -hmm. So when we feel like, oh my God, what an idiot, yeah, we withdraw what they need most. We actually put him down and don't give him the acknowledgement anymore. So it might be that he has actually a need for being acknowledged more. Yeah, but he doesn't share this with his wife, and or she doesn't share it with him either. Or she doesn't even see it. Yes. And so the other person that he's putting his focus on sees him as the nice person, as the person that's thoughtful, as the person that's caring, and acknowledges that, and that's where he gets that, that energy yes. from. Yes, And when he goes home, he gets the complete opposite. Yes, so that's a, one big thing. The other big thing is that a lot of women don't know is that men have a feeling when they give, 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 give into a loving relationship. So the more they love, the more challenged they are to stay connected. And they, when they give, they need to be able to withdraw again if they want to stay healthy with the giving and receiving. Otherwise, they feel that like they are losing themselves. So a lot of women see that as a threat. And, you know, and don't let him go into his cave. Don't let him stare into the fire that are very primary, you know, archetypal things that we did in the cave. We still have that, you know, like women need to expand and share of themselves with other women. This is why we are talking about stories. And we actually, when we listen to somebody else's story, we unstress ourselves. Men unstress themselves by going into the cave, by withdrawing themselves. This is why they stare at the computer for hours. This is why they do things that we women don't understand why they are doing it. And then sometimes we hinder them in doing that. And so he, he might withdraw, you know, by having those fantasies and with the acknowledgement. All of it shows that, you know, it's worth to put that kind of energies and lack experience into a relationship and to bring it up and to learn from it and to grow from it. Yeah. I can think of one person specifically that when um, things are not going so well at home sometimes, they will go drink. And then they said, well, I can go and co deal with it now. But they have a couple of shots or something, and then they go deal with whatever's bothering them. And their spouse, if they notice that they're drinking, then they seem to get upset. So, yes. So, oh my goodness, this, there's so much to say to this. You know, we open actually the box of the Pandora here, which is good. Yeah. Um, one thing is, is that when men get overwhelmed, when they get the feeling they can't solve that, then they try to go out of this context totally and find a place and an environment and a context that's solvable. 
This is how they unstress and recharge their batteries. That's one thing. That's the positive side. I also have another side that's a little bit more sick. So, um, so when they go and solve it in the in the pub, you know, they talk to other mm -hmm. men, or they might do something totally different. Actually, what's happening underneath is that they. Um, they get the experience, oh, I can solve this little thing, now I can go back to the issue that was actually overwhelming in the first place, when it's a healthy system. So let's talk about a very common, not healthy dynamic, addiction. Yes. So what we know from the family dynamics research, and I really believe that's one of the best researches in this case ever, and I also saw that Dr. Christiane Northrup in her book, Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, brings it in from a different aspect. She's a medical doctor, gynecologist, and she writes something like that the patriarchy creates addiction. I like to hear that somewhere else or to read that somewhere mm -hmm. else, because what we have researched in Germany in the family dynamics is that when addiction, uh, alcohol addiction, for example, or drug addiction takes place, I now talk about the sickening part of it. In a family, you always or mostly have to look at the men in the family because, you know, everybody pointed, at least in the past, at the mothers and what they did wrong and they couldn't do enough, never. And I think we are now in a different age and I'm really grateful for that where we look at the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. So very often when we have addiction, we need to look what is the role of the man in this family system. And when you look at it, mostly even with anorexia, yeah, so with all kinds of addictions, eating disorders, uh, very often it happens that the men in the family were either pulled out of the family because they were drawn to somebody else, which can actually be something for this other subject, what we were talking to. So there's a family dynamic when somebody lost, like a man lost his mother very early in life, that when he has a partner and he doesn't find that mother thing mm -hmm. in his partner, that he's always looking for the mother outside. So that can be a, a dynamic, and he's totally unaware of it. He mm -hmm. doesn't know. So he looks for somebody who's mothering him and who is not having those that expectation and that claim oops, to him, you know, that a mother... You know, more what a mother would give, and they don't know that they are still looking for the mother. So the man, when the man is pulled out of the system because they lost somebody or they are entangled mm -hmm. or they they are following, you know, their father and their father's father, being not good enough or being weakened or men in this family don't matter. They were all idiots or losers and a failure. Again, the biggest fear of men. So they tend to develop those addictions and very often it's it's from one generation to the other, to the other, to the other. And here we would need to bring in the men, mm -hmm. give them a rightful place and interrupt that pattern in a way that they, you know, when they are taking so much from the woman from the mother or from the feminine lineage until it hurts them and it damages them. That's a, a, a big deal. So we try to interrupt that and bring in a balance that's healthy. I know someone whose mother left when they were young, you know, like 
young teenagers and left the left the three boys by themselves with the father and he was accused of having an affair with the mother because the father was so angry at the mother that he didn't know how to project his anger and he he placed so the it, father accused this man the older son is he, he is he the oldest yes he's the oldest mm-hmm. the oldest son of having an affair with the mother and ha- would have the have the oldest son who was just a teenager himself of sneaking on the mother to see who she might be with because they were in the middle of getting getting a divorce and the father was just angry and beside himself that she would even consider leaving him mm-hmm. and the boys were left with the father and the two younger boys were probably were set to be against the older brother in a sense and it was really a traumatic experience for for him and I don't think he ever got over it I can imagine so he the oldest one how was he, his relationship to his mom his mother loved him Here we go. and ad- adored him and so when he when she left it was really difficult for him yes with the father yes so of course this is very traumatizing yes. yeah you know every time and this happens everywhere every day it's like wow yeah and we are mostly not aware but this is about to change and this is also why we have that podcast so that people know yeah the more people the know the know there are out there that know about it the more we can do um so what happens a lot is that when there is a confusion a chaos produced within the family dynamics mm-hmm. everybody suffers yes so i get the impression of course i can never say for sure mm-hmm. but we want to learn here something mm-hmm. so bringing up hypotheses and teaching information will always help us and in this case i can imagine because he was the oldest and also he had a good relationship to the mom that the father felt devastated that the mom left him so he didn't feel good enough of course he projected into his oldest son and made him pay a price for something that the mother did to the father and he has never done that yeah so that's an impossible situation also to to um turn the other siblings against him that's deadly that's really not just a little bit sick or um devastating that is really a big deal yeah so that he uh has to 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 pay a price for something that he has never done uh that it, i can imagine that this if this is not cleared and brought to the surface and brought into the right order and the truth you know where he can speak out loud what happened so that the truth gets a place i think as long as he didn't do that he will pay the consequences and pay a price still so in this case it's very important to understand how what really happened and to see how he can disentangle himself and to move forward otherwise he might not allow himself to connect to be a good man and also to connect with another woman because the price that he has actually saved in his emotional system in his limbic system uh my, this instance might tell him oh the price that you have to pay will be always that high 
And this can also lead to triangulations, you know, and affairs and all those kind of things. So instead of judging people and having an affair, I think we should really uh, bring out more information. What else can actually produce that? The same with me. I have an example all by myself. Mm-hmm. I would like to share this. When I was young, when I was 18, my father died. And he was the best for me ever since. I was a a father's girl. And you know, that sounds quite nice from the outside, but underneath, I had to find out through those family dynamics, and I never had a, a partner that was good for me. I always had partners that were really not good for me. Mm-hmm. And I was very consistent <laughs> in, the, in choosing those kind of men who definitely were not good for me. Mm-hmm. And since so I, I discovered the family dynamics and I thought, oh, oh, interesting. So what came out is that the place next to me where actually a partner or potential partner should be, I placed on a subconscious level, I was not aware of it, I placed my father on this. So that place for a potential partner was taken by a person that I idealized totally. Yeah. So I needed to empty that place. I needed to give my father his place as a father And also see it relatively, you know, he was not God, he was a a man. And with all his good things and with all his bad things. And that also had an impact how I could accept my mom. She was somehow the baddie and my father was was the goodie. And that way I could not embrace to take in the good feminine energy from my forefathers and be there for a man either, because that was all disturbed. So I needed to give my mom a rightful place and see her for who she is, my father rightful place, without being the judge of both of them. Mm stepping into my position as the child and daughter, you know, and then I could empty that place and I could uh, provide a space where a potential good partner could actually come in. And it did. My husband came. And because of uh, what happened with his family dynamics and his mother leaving so early, I... He'll never get married in his life. He's vowed to never get married. And in a sense, I feel that he has some anger towards women because of mm-hmm. how his mom left and um, that he had to deal with this father and kind of being alone. I can imagine because his mother, for whatever reason she left, we don't know, but it would have been appropriate that his mother stands by his side, you know, and clarifies, you know what, if you have anything to deal with, do it with me personally, husband. And our son has nothing to do with it. So obviously she didn't take him, she didn't provide that protection that he needed. So he might be really damaged here. But that doesn't mean, you know, it's a pity. I see that a lot, that people then make decisions out of this entanglement. Mm -hmm. And actually, they would have a good family life and stuff if they made a choice to heal. And even though it's very dramatic and it seems to be big, there is a place to heal. Because when they hear for the very first time, like in a private session Mm -hmm. or so, when we then tidy that up, when they hear for the very first time what the mother should have said, 
You know, it sounds a little bit theoret theoretical here on the podcast, but it's not at all. They go through a very deep process. It goes in deep into the soul, mm -hmm. into the emotions, into the mind, into the spirit, where all of a sudden, because they can speak it out loud and they can hear it, they can hear how it should be. And then all of a sudden, everything falls away. And they really describe it like, when I ask them, how is it now when we go through those rituals, you know? And then they say, oh, I feel light. For the first time, I feel light. And be they don't know. So I have this dream and vision, and I really want to dedicate all my being to that, that instead of being quiet and letting people make those choices, I want to inform, to educate that they know, wait a second, you don't have to live with it. Mm -hmm. There is another reality that really is synchronized with who you truly are, but because they have never experienced that in their life, they don't know. You know, when you don't know that behind that blue sky that we have here in California, there is the universe. You don't know that there is the universe. Yeah. So, and then you don't want that universe. So I want to have those podcasts, to have all that information out so that people don't limit themselves underneath that sky because that's, that's all that is. There is, there's so much more. You know, and when we do those rituals and they for the first time experience it, how it should be, and they step into their place, and that's just as, then they feel themselves. It comes from the inside out. Not to read another book, not to know this, not when they're old enough, not when they're young enough. It has nothing to do with nothing anymore, but just that moment of experience. So what I experience from the older son sometimes is his projection from his primary relationship onto me when he's having problems at home. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I like that you bring that up because there's also a research that 80% of the issues that we have in our later relationship, like let's say in your relationship of now, if it's a marriage or if we're just living together or your partners, it doesn't matter. So 80% of the conflicts there are a projection from the unsolved issues from the original family. And when we know that, we can deal with it differently, you know, so that we are stopping us from just projecting into the other partner and having arguments, justifying our own behavior, feeling hurt when we have to listen to their excuses why they feel they have a right to behave like this and tidy up in the original system, because a lot of people nowadays also go, go to a family therapy or go mm -hmm. to a partner therapy. Those issues can be solved even better when we tidy up the original system first and then see what's left in projections and how we can deal with them differently with what's left in the family of now, because we actually address the core issue. Yes. Well, I hope you found the show helpful. And if you have any questions, please send them to info at willowforyou.com. That's info, I-N-F-O, at willow, W-I-L-L-O-W, the number four, the letter U, dot com. 
Thank you for listening and hope you'll join us next time. We'll be asking Rita about health, healing, and happiness.